Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, drinking some Habiki on the porch, it's Arturo Zurita. I should have gotten some to spike this up over here, but we are having some Habiki-quality television that we got this year. I was telling Zach earlier, uh, but I think both of us were telling him that, surprisingly, we are caught up with a lot more of what we wanted to. We're never fully there, because it's... TV and it's really long movies, but uh, <laughs> this was a really good year for television. I have some picks that I, mm-hmm. I'm ecstatic over and are honestly some of the best watches that I've had all year. Yeah, this is definitely one of the toughest years I've had to assemble a top 10, and we had to bring in somebody who was up to the task. She could replace your dog with a slightly different st- different dog, some stuff she learned on a subreddit. It's Amanda the Jedi... What's going on, Amanda? What do you think about TV this year? (laughs) It was a good year. Um, I think I'm a little bit better than normal, but then still there's so much that I didn't catch. I was on like a really good track, and then I had to come to my parents' place earlier, and it just went out the window. Like I was on a schedule, (laughs) and it fell apart. (laughs) Things were going according to plan, and And then 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 life happens. Yeah, life happens. It's always family's fault. Damn yeah. it, life. That's what the Fablemans is about. You can't and, let family get in the way of art. <laughs> and sure. banshees and like every, so many <laughs> everybody's on the show. Yeah. All right, that's the wrong podcast. We already did our best movies of 2022. We're going to talk about our favorite TV of the year. And uh, as Art was alluding to, normally it's such a scramble to catch up with all the shows that you've been hearing great things about. But I feel like we are a lot more on top of TV in 2022 uh, for a variety of reasons. Amanda, looking at the slate, why do you feel like 2022 has made it so that we're much more on top of TV or at least have watched a lot more TV? I think there's a couple things. I think a lot of the TV has been really good. So things have been like really constantly entering like the public Mm -hmm. consciousness. So like people are just really in it. Mm. I know for me personally, I did a lot of traveling this year, which just instantly means like I'm on a plane. I'm locked in planes for hours at a time. Perfect time to just binge watch a bunch of television shows. So that's definitely Mm -hmm. a thing. But I just feel like, you know, every couple of weeks we've had like some new show just enter the public consciousness. I think we've also gotten a lot more like episodic releases so there's been excitement building week over week for a lot more shows mm-hmm. than normal which has really let them have mm-hmm. like staying power absolutely yeah i feel like the the conversation around shows from week to week is definitely something that has brought me in on a lot of shows that i might otherwise have missed because i felt like the binge model just passed me over are are you also just responding to the quality of television in 2022? Yeah. Because we have everything available on a service, you don't really have to worry about the, I guess, event watching, which has surprisingly Mm -hmm. still been a thing. And I think the king of that has been HBO week after week, be it from like the really big fantasy shows, the comedy shows, they've had people tuning in, but I think it's just the idea of being able to share it in today's social media. Like when you think of some of the biggest shows of last year when it came to Squid Game, it was just the idea of being able to share like frames from it or being able to share moments from the White Lotus that had people talking just off of images. I don't think you would have been able to spark those discussions, one, without the social media of just a couple of years ago, uh, but much less with the ability to just be able to have those recordings of stuff. But I agree with Amanda. It's just the ease of access to be able to watch things, uh, especially when you're traveling or when you have that downtime. And 
I think the only reason I haven't been able to get to some shows is, is it's just a little, it's just time. That's all it is. So those mm. are probably the biggest ones that I'm missing is anything that I had compound seasons. Yeah, definitely. I could give some like high-minded answers to why I feel like we've been watching a lot of t- TV this year from stuff like, you know, the COVID delays, meaning that we got a lot of shows, especially there was that period in like April, May, where it felt like every show was coming out one after the other. Or or you could say that like, because of the proliferation of all the streaming networks, there's just like more TV than ever, like more than even before. We're at peak, peak TV, as John Landgraf might say. But I I think the real reason is just, I got to go back to what Amanda said. There's a lot of really good stuff that demands to be seen being made right now. And I felt drawn to TV shows a lot more this year than I felt like I have been in the past in a way where I just needed to watch all of it and needed to be up to date with it and wanted to be part of the conversation around it. So uh, it's going to be a really tough list to put together. What makes it tougher are the shows that we wanted to see but did not find time for. I know uh, for me, I had a few like uh, Andor, the the Disney Plus show. I, I haven't caught up with a lot of the Star Wars shows, but that one is one that has been getting such rave reviews. I'm definitely interested to see uh, what Tony Gilroy has put together there. I'm also uh, not up to date with shows like Bad Sisters or Blackbird or Slow Horses and a a bunch of other shows that are on Apple TV+. Uh, They've got so many that they're churning out over there and I just, a lot slipped through the cracks. They don't tend to promote them that much either. So I haven't seen some of those shows. Uh, I've talked about that I'm catching up with industry on Intercut before. Very good. I'm still not all up to date on season two, but I I really love that show so far. Still didn't catch Peacemaker from earlier this year. Still didn't catch The Staircase or Tokyo Vice, a few HBO shows. And I did not catch the fourth season of Westworld, which I've heard is actually quite good. But it's it gone. also is gone. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really know what to do about that. So I will forever be missing that one. Art, how about you? What, what from 2022 did you not get a chance to catch that you wish you did? I have a couple, and surprisingly, I think it ends up coming down to uh, a service I didn't have, AMC+. Plus. I got, I think, three, mm. if not all of them. Pantheon was a series that I started. It's this animated sci-fi futuristic series where they might be coming up with technology that is AI and half human, and they come up with a word for it. Really interesting series. I'm halfway through, so I can't count it yet. Gangs of London, I saw part of the first season. Now that I have AMC+, Plus, I can finally finish it because that's... Evans, if I'm not mistaken. I know there's two Gareths. I want to say he's Evans. He's the yeah. guy who did the raid. And he's got a TV series. Yeah. And it's all about these like intricate gangs in London. And it, it, it's really good. Finally have access to it. So that's what was keeping me from it. Pachinko, I am not finished with. I won't say anything more. But I finally saw one episode. I see the hype. <laughs> I see the hype. Uh, and From, that was a little series from Stars that a lot of people kept recommending us and I was kept recommending to them to stop pitching Stars. No one's getting Stars. <laughs> that show has to go somewhere else because we've had a lot of series where after they don't do well on Epics, they'll end up on HBO. So I'm just hoping that the whole Stars catalog goes elsewhere because that's the one service I can't bite the bullet for. But those are some of my picks. Amanda, how about you? I am also like, Art, I'm about halfway through Pachinko. That is one that I was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to be able to finish it. And it's just because, like, (laughs) 
it, it's something that like demands full attention. Like you can't watch that mm-hmm, while yeah. like wrapping Christmas presents or like editing mm-hmm. a video. So like I haven't had a chance to finish that one. I haven't had a chance to finish 1899, which I was really excited to get to because, Ooh, uh, you know, Dark's fantastic. Too. So I'm like a few episodes into 1899. So I think those are, I'm sure there's some other stuff that I'm not even thinking, uh, like a lot of stuff that was like multiple seasons that either the first season kind of flew under the radar and then the new one's getting all of the like hype. And then I the just don't have you. time to go watch like 20 episodes of something. So there's a few of those, but I did catch up on like a lot of like random ones that it feels like uh, Zach wanted to catch and didn't. So yeah, we'll have an interesting list, I think. Yeah, I'm curious to see because this is one of the ones that, while I feel like our film lists tend to have a lot more crossover, our TV maybe just because of what the TV landscape is tends to be a little more all over the. We're map. going to film festivals uh, together. We don't go true. on TV binges together. That's that what is it true. is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Dexter, I swear to God. Maybe we should. Maybe we need to, like... Where's the next TV festival? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So halfway through the year, I had no Netflix shows on my list, and Ah. I'm wrapping the year in the same position. Uh, Why do you hate Ted? Amanda. Amanda, how about you? Are your top TV shows more streamer-based or more network-based? Definitely streamer-based, but I think I only have one Netflix show, if I'm correct at looking at this list. Yeah, I think I'm I'm at one with, like, a handful that are in my, like, honorable mentions almost made it in, but, yeah. Interesting. Art, how about you? Uh, I'm assuming you don't consider HBO uh, cable, right? That's, like, streaming? No, I'd go with network since that at least has that like legacy. Okay, so yeah, I don't think uh, there's only like one sitcom that I have an honorable mention with that I think actually gets played like that. Everything else, it's just a lot of variation between HBO, which I think is still the king, but surprisingly Hulu. That's what I think threw me off guard mm. as my mm-hmm. second one. But uh, I did sneak a Netflix. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna try and remember to tally all of these and figure out what made the most of our lists. We got you. I know for me, like HBO is probably going to be in the lead, but uh, yeah. I guess we'll see at the end. Uh, I'll make sure to say, and my next pick is HBO's baby. So you know exactly which <laughs> one to mark up. I can't remember where half of these are. Cause when I load up my Apple TV, sometimes I look up a show and if it's on an other it just streaming plays service, it. Yeah. no, I has, it just plays it. And I'm like, I got oh, you. Is this a Disney? We'll see. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll pull cool. up the just yeah, watch. That's, You've also got the disadvantage of having, like, the Canadian perspective ah, on where these shows yeah. end up. So we might so, need to, like, correct your yeah, HBO Max, American audience. HBO Max and Hulu end up on Crave most of the time over here. Really? <laughs> Crave's the I big saw, winner then. Yeah. I saw a Hulu trailer and, like, a star came out. And I'm like, what? Oh, that's right. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, no, that's yeah. the wrong branding right there. Fox. I think someone just pirated this movie. But, yeah, that's, that's, like, the big thing. If you have an international audience that they're not looking at a bundle. It's already a bundle for them when it comes to Disney Hulu. So Yeah, it's all in Disney. We'll see. Yeah. All right. In a little bit, we'll get to those lists of the best TV of 2022. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either video on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod or the audio on our podcast feeds available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether that is Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at IntercutPod. That's Intercut, P-O-D, and that's short for podcast. 
Also, we're Intercut Pod on Patreon, where you can support the show for as little as $1 per month. And be sure to leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It makes me happier than talking about my favorite TV from this year. All right. Uh, we had Amanda go first in the last round. Um, Art, why don't you kick us off here with TV and tell us about your 10th favorite TV show from 2022. For sure. This was one that had just come out when we had made our halfway list and I was really high on it, but I wanted to sit with it. I didn't want the emotions of it. It also taking place in Chicago, taking too much away with it. But at my number 10 spot is FX on Hulu weekly, Wednesday nights, uh, the bear, which came out in its entirety, sitting on Hulu, following a guy who returns back from a very high class kitchen to what you would just consider your measly Chicago Mr. Beef little spot that I took Zach to when he was visiting over here. And the story ends up building into this tension filled, if you've ever worked at a kitchen, just anxiety inducing scenario of trying to make this little shop become something bigger than it is. And you have all of these different variables at play from everybody who works there, someone who is gone and the character of John Bernthal. John Bernthal's in this list a lot now that I've realized he's going to be a star <laughs> player for TV. Yeah. He's pretty much a ghost in this, but you're able to expand the story, not just across the city, but across some different timelines. So this was one that really took me by surprise and I think took a lot of people by surprise because when the show premiered, there was a line around the block. And I remember when they were filming the show uh, and, and the beef spot just loaded after the fact. They said places in LA were selling beefs that weren't selling beefs before. It just became like this whole cultural thing. So... For all the chefs out there who now say, uh, yes, chef, uh, the bear is in my top 10 for sure. And I'm excited for season two. Awesome. Yeah. I, I don't think you're being a homer because I actually got the bear higher up on my list. I, I, got I just wanted to make number... sure. Same. Yeah. You heard I got all, all the Chicago the people. Four for me. That's Where's good. It for you? All right. I'm happy. I have it up at number four on my Nice. List. Mine's eight, but we'll get there. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Cool. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll talk about the bear a little bit more later on our lists. Uh, Amanda, why don't you tell us your number 10? Oh, this has been so tough. My God, these lists. I'm still looking at things and I'm like, do I like that one more? I, don't... I think we're going to go with the staircase at number 10. Ooh. I thought the staircase was really interesting. I liked how it was told. It's based on a real story of a, a woman who uh, dies. And there's just like this question as to whether or not um, the husband murdered her, if it was an accident, if he had nothing to do with it. And the show kind of like jumps around and shows how each scenario might have played out while also kind of showing glimpses into her life, what was leading into it, uh, what looked like a perfect marriage and then kind of the cracks that would show through later, uh, how the real documentary team came in and was working mm -hmm. on it and how that ended up affecting how the documentary played out because of some weird personal attachments that started to to form in the, the documentary team. Uh, so it became very impartial or not impartial, I should say. It's a, so I really enjoyed it, and then really good performances from you know Tony Collette and um, Colin Firth. Yeah, Colin Firth, right? Yeah. So just yeah, yeah just really solid performances there. Um, I thought it was really interesting. It's just really one of those ones. Like it was one of those ones I was kind of bummed to be leaving a plane because I just wanted to finish the episode. <laughs> but you know, like they kind of make you get off the planes after a while because yeah, that was one yeah. of my one of my travel shows. So yeah. 
Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peterson's. the staircase. Uh, one of the ones that I, I definitely wish I had caught from earlier this year. I think uh, Antonio Campos is the guy who directed most of mm-hmm. those. I uh, think so, yeah. He's mm-hmm. a... He's an interesting filmmaker, so I, I was definitely curious to check this one out. And uh, the source material is obviously very famous, so yeah. glad that you liked it. Or did you see end up seeing the staircase? I was able to catch a couple of episodes because. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure you know about this, Amanda. But Americans with the last name Peterson or P- Peter, like they're always killing their wives. We yesterday <laughs> was an announcement of the other Peterson and how he got uh, more charges on him or something because of oh, his like wow. second wife. And I was confusing that Peterson with the staircase Peterson. And it turned out it was another Peterson. So I think we have like three <laughs> murder Petersons in oh, this wow. world. So I'm glad that one of them was able to at least make a good HBO miniseries. Uh, yeah. I-, I did want to add that bit about the journalist. I don't know if you heard the behind the scenes that the filmmaking team duped the documentarian team to help out with the TV miniseries, not realizing that they were going to out them uh, and their Ooh, documentary. I love so, that. Good. <laughs> some good behind-the-scenes drama there. Which so it's Warner almost Bros. like some good, good documentary making for a dramatic retelling. That's fantastic. Staircase right. 2. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My number 10. I'm going to start things off with my what might feel like a controversial way, but I'm not trying to start a fight. I promise my number 10 is severance's first season, which I expect will end up higher on other lists. Mm-hmm. Not trying to instigate anything. I just think this has been a really great year for TV and that, that I can think of nine shows. I liked more speaks to how great this year. I've was. seen his list. They're all pro work shows from here on out. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, the capitalist. Anyway, <laughs> let's go back to um, Art for his number nine. Uh, at number nine, I have a Showtime series. I was not expecting to have one on here, but there were several Showtime series that were uh, on my radar that were actually delivering. The drama is going to be an honorable mention for later. I'm going with the comedy I love that for you. This is a series that caught me completely off guard. Uh, Vanessa Bayer comes in and she's always had this very awkward type of comedy. And what she does here is just take that to the max as someone who grew up with cancer was able to go into remission. And when she finally gets hired at the place that she saw every day at the hospital, which was the, what is it, the QVC, the marketing thing where they sell you stuff on TV. She finally gets a job there. Obviously, she's so terrible, but right before they fire her, she splurts out, I have cancer, you can't fire me, and you got yourself one of the cringiest comedies on Showtime, and I loved every single bit of it. Towards the end of the season, I was surprised at uh, the dramatic turns they were able to take with some of the characters, so I'm excited for a season two. I thought it was a hilarious uh, little series from Showtime, and it makes my number nine spot, because Southside from HBO was getting a lot of love from me. A League of Their Own on Prime mm-hmm. was getting a lot of love from me, mm-hmm. but nothing combined the like the drama and the comedy better than this series did. So I love that for you. Highly, highly recommend it. I love that Amanda looked physically uncomfortable at the premise of the show. <laughs> yeah, you said that, and I was like, I don't know if I can Let do it. Let me hit you with something even more. <laughs> she herself did have cancer, and she's producer on the show. I'm not saying she did the thing in the show. I'm just saying that she did go through it. Okay, because I was going to say there was just a story that came out about some woman who, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, not her, right? Not her? Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. not her, not her. It is is a crazy premise, and uh, yeah, they they take it for all it's worth, so I'd recommend checking it out. A really fun show, a really fun vehicle for Vanessa Bayer, who's somebody who 
I, I feel like has to have like a particular world built around her to really get the best out of that kind of awkward, cringy comedy that she's so good at. Uh, but she's been, uh, she's helped build this really excellent show for her. And I'm excited Molly to Shannon. see where they take it. Yeah. Molly Shannon, I think is like the perfect type of Easily. presence to have opposite her. They, they feel in, in a lot of ways, or she feels in a lot of ways, like a descendant of Molly Shannon's comedy. So agreed. Yeah. It, it's a, one of the shows I had in my honorable mentions as well. So I like that pick and I love that for you. Number nine on Arturo's <laughs> top 10. Thank you. Amanda, where's your number nine? Uh, I, again, these ones, so many interchangeable, but I'm going to go with Yellow Jackets at number nine. Uh, probably just because cool. some other things have a recency bias. I saw them more recently, but uh, Yellow Jackets kind of does a thing not super similar to Staircase, but just more that it's playing with time as it's weaving you into like not necessarily a mystery, but just kind of like trying to get to the bottom of what happened. So it's like, you know, like the sports team, they crash in the woods. Uh, and then you have this like new mystery happening in the present with those characters later on. And then you're just kind of like weaving back and forth between the two timelines. And there's just some like amazing performances from people here and just from like really strong, you know, actors that everybody at least recognizes to like some degree. Like you've got like Christina Ricci, you've got, um, well, now I'm just blanking on everyone. Mel- Melanie Linsky. Mm-hmm. Like Juliette Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, that's the one I can't remember, but just like really strong performances uh, going through. Um, Like it's like it's the show that my mom is like the most stoked for it to come back. (laughs) So it stayed in my mind because I'll be like, oh, this is getting a new season. And she'll be like, but what about Yellow Jackets? When is that coming back? And I'm like, it just finished. So like, but yeah, it's just got renewed for season three, actually. She'll be excited. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was a really good one. Yeah. Agreed. I think we all had a lot of fun with Yellow Jackets, and I, I'm just anticipating that new season at mm. this point now. Uh, it should be coming yep. pretty soon, I think. March. Nice, nice. All right, so a pair of Showtime shows at your number nines, at both Art and Amanda's number nines. Oh, with, is that uh, Showtime? Because that's yes. on Crave for uh, yes. us. So I was like, I have no idea what half Crazy. of this stuff is. <laughs> Yeah, the Crave original Yellow Jackets. And the best (laughs) part is for those who may not have Showtime, it's also on Paramount because Paramount owns Showtime and there's not enough people on Showtime or Paramount. So they're taking the (laughs) Showtime shows and putting them on Paramount. So who knows where it's on? All right. So from a couple Showtime shows to the Showtime Lakers, my number nine is Winning Time on HBO. Maybe the reason that that show is not called Showtime is that it's on HBO. Uh, Art, this might show up later on your list. I I will, and I wish they kept it as Showtime. Yes, just like mine will show up later on your list. My number eight is The Rehearsal. So we'll be having future HBO talks. All right, cool. So we can keep this moving and go to Amanda's number eight, which is The Bear. Do you want to talk about it a little bit now? Uh, I just thought it was like uh, really fun. Like it kind of starts off and and this guy's taking everything so professionally. You just assume that this is some like mid to high end restaurant because it doesn't look too fancy, but like just the way the behavior is. And then it's just this like hole in the wall sandwich shop, you know, and it's just, you know, all Mm -hmm. these people that are set in their ways and some people are trying to take it seriously and then just all of like the personal dysfunction that he's dealing with with trying to process the fact that his brother died and uh you know just the fact that it's um it's what's his face who always pl- plays the jeremy Allen white. white no 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 not the main guy the brother <laughs> uh oh john bernthal uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Berenthal. Like, so he's like the the dead brother that causes a lot of inner turmoil in Peanut Butter Falcon too. So it's just like I, every time I see him in a flashback, <laughs> and I'm like, this guy. He'll be causing more turmoil. Just wait. <laughs> exactly. You know. So uh, I just thought it was uh, really strong, and it's fast to get through. It's just those like tight thirty minute episodes, and it's like, what is it? Like six or eight of them? Eight of them probably. Yep. Just really nice easy and to get tight. through. I think yeah, eight or ten, something like that. Not a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's an excellent show. Uh, you got it at eight, Art had it at ten. I got it all the way up at number four. I think a lot of my favorite shows are about introducing you to a place and then making you fall in love with like all the different people that inhabit that place. And, and this is just one of those excellent shows at doing that and bringing you behind the scenes at this restaurant. And, and while they're going while the characters are going through some personal turmoil and the restaurant is going through its own form of upheaval and transformation, I think it's really exciting to just be um, be on the wall for that that energy. It's It's got a very kinetic feel, a nonstop feel to it, which obviously is sort of best exemplified with, I think it's episode seven, that one take episode that a lot of people have really commended. And, and while like I understand why people say oh that's the best episode that's the best episode to me that's like the best scene but there's so many episodes so many great episodes that really get you like a a deeper look into different characters and that have these surprising turns that that reveal complexities to the world that you weren't expecting when the show takes a turn towards dealing with substances and and the the like recovery from that it's just something that adds a whole other layer to what's going on that's surprising and and uh deeply felt it's just a show the show that maybe feels the most lived in of the new shows i've seen this year so i it's a show that i really responded to and uh think is easily one of the best shows of of uh, this year and i also just think it's so cool that this show about a restaurant in Chicago became such a hit during the summer. Like it was really like kind of a viral phenomenon in some way. Agreed. I'm glad we all gave it thumbs up. Yeah. This is the first of uh, the shows to appear on all three of our lists. I don't know if it'll be the last, but only one way to find out. I'll go to my number eight which is The Righteous Gemstones Season 2. I was late to The Righteous Gemstones party, but when I started binging it about a month ago, I just couldn't stop. I, I think Danny McBride's show about the bunch of televangelists who've got a compli- complicated relationship with sinning is kind of delightfully vulgar. There's maybe no one better at cursing somebody out right now on TV than McBride, but the entire cast really gives him a run for his money. The, the actress who plays Judy in particular, I feel like is so good and so underrated, like just extremely underrated comedic performance that really should be getting Emmy nominations. It's consistently surprising and the show is consistently funny. I think it works on a, a dramatic level in a way that is surprising given just how hard the laughs are. And the cast is just one of the most stacked casts in terms of like comedic abilities. They have on uh, Eric Andre uh, show up this year. There's another oh, wow. uh, I'm for, Meredith ha- Hagner, who I love on search party and some stuff like that is, is also on this season and excellent. It's a very funny show. I'm, I'm glad that I finally caught up with it because it, it's, th- it, there's a lot going on there, but it's also just 
immensely rewarding to watch. Nice. Yeah, that's one I have to finish catching up with. I started it, but haven't had a chance to plow through it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, definitely like a particular brand of humor, but like once you sort of get in that lane, it's so much fun I to love just it, binge. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, so I got Righteous Gemstones at number eight. Let's go back to Art for his number seven. Yeah, at my number seven, there was a Hulu series known as Rami that came out with a season three, and I was loving the first couple of episodes. It ends okay, and it gets an honorable mention. Mm. Rami has a cousin in that show called Mo, and he got a Netflix deal, mm. and Mo season one blew me away it is hysterical it is so easy breezy to watch it has so much heart it follows a guy named mo muhammad who is able to mix around in his uh town texas i think he's in houston by literally just code switching everywhere he goes he can be your country guy who's selling you sneakers out from the back of a uh, a truck Mm -hmm. he is also hispanic when he needs to be because a lot of people think he is and he's got a hispanic girlfriend he is obviously middle eastern when he needs to be he's just able to switch through all the different uh personas in his code switching and it's just the way that he's getting by through life i think he's got a really good uh cast of supporting characters who are able to handle their own scenes uh hilariously there is some just great one-liners and back and forth that happened in the series and the way it ends is just so goofy, yet very tension-filled, that it's got me on the edge for uh, season two. The actress who's in this, uh, Teresa, she was at Chicago Fest, and someone actually asked, is Mo going to be okay? So clearly it's had some uh, <laughs> resonance with people. So Mo season one, nice, uh, even better than the, late, the, the newest seasons of Rami, which is where he, he uh, was originally at. Really like it. Netflix, Netflix show. Yeah, damn, I got to catch up with that one. I've been trying to catch up on Rami before I get to it, but I, I know you really love Mo as well, so that's on my list, uh, especially now that you've got it all the way in the top ten. Has to uh, be. Amanda, let's go to you for your number seven. This is, like, an interesting one because I feel like it hits points where it's a little bit weird, but I've been, like, mentally so in it in a couple ways. Uh, Tokyo Vice. Tell okay. me. Okay. Let's go. It was another one of those ones that was my tra- a travel show that like really sucked me in. And it's like based on a true story about this guy who, you know, Jake Adelstein, who goes to Tokyo to, you know, do an entrance exam there so he can be a, a reporter in Japan because he's just trying to get away from something in America. And he's just like super proficient and uh, ends up getting pulled into this like underground um like Yakuza situation where he is like, you know, writing stories about them. He realizes that something going on in town is like all interconnected. And then it just kind of how it webs him in. And then just like the cultural difference of him being like a gaijin, as they say, um, you know, getting getting involved in all this stuff. But the thing that keeps pulling me in. So I've been reading the actual like memoir of him, like his actual book about Mm. it. But then there are so many websites and things dedicated to calling him a like huge liar that he just made up the entire thing that it's all fake so i'm like planning on going through all that and crafting this video for when the second season comes out just going through it but it's uh, it's really interesting to see how like he's very it's interesting to read it's a good read but he is so like high on himself like he is really into himself they're like parts of the book and it reflects in the show that it's just him like sleeping around with different people which like doesn't really have anything to do it's just kind of like no man i pull chicks i'm hot you know um, put it on the record but, you know on the record 
But uh, I thought the show itself was really interesting and they left it at like a cliffhanger to keep going. It probably should have just been like a, a limited series one and done, but they kept it going. We're getting season two, which I'm excited for. Um, but yeah, I think the whole thing is is really interesting because like who's going to confirm or deny your Yakuza story? Like no exactly. one, you know, you know, so. I thought it was a miniseries. That's interesting. Nope. Season two on the way. April, I think. Okay. The the first episode, the only one that I I ended up watching, directed by Michael Mann. Yep, <laughs> crazily enough, I thought it was really cool that one episode that Sleek. I caught, and and I totally get that idea that you're talking about about how you just sort of see him falling into like the web of the yakuza around, and and just how how interest interesting that situation is. Mm-hmm. It's one that I hoping to get back to and uh, yeah i'll have to get back there soon now that i know that uh you put it on your list as well yeah really cool show i definitely feel like the discussion around it is muted because of the whole ansel elgort yeah but yeah weirdly enough weirdly enough as, as a guy who i haven't normally liked that much on screen him as like this awkward lanky dude walking around Japan kind of works for me. Yeah, awkward lanky dude who like is like really high in himself, but then is like just getting yeah. dunked on like left, right, and center from like things, kinda and works. he's like paying for women's time and attention. Like it works, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they could still recast between seasons. I wouldn't mind, but <laughs> anyway, Tokyo Vice Amanda's number seven. My number seven is House of the Dragon season one. Is that going to show up on other lists later? It's my six. My number five. Ah, All right. So let's I talk think, it. think we could just talk about it. it now a little bit. Uh, I feel like so much time is spent comparing this show to Game of Thrones that we haven't fully applauded how deftly this one built its world. What mm-hmm. other show has successfully navigated decades of t- storytelling while swapping out a set of actors mid-season. Like, there was a time when people were saying they, they're not sure if the show will be good without Millie Aycock, and now all those people love Emma Darcy. Yeah. And, and it's because of me. how well... <laughs> I... I, I I, I will miss her. I will miss Millie as well, but I think we're in good hands. Um, cynically, you could call season one a prologue for the rest of the series, but if you were really watching it week to week, you know how quickly Dragons was able to immerse you in its political tug of war behind the scenes and how quickly it created distinct and memorable characters and how invested you are any time somebody died on the show already. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's fully there, and I think it's just kind of a pretty special bit of TV making that is getting ignored because we're comparing it to this phenomenon of another show. But I really loved that first season. It sounds like both of you loved it as well. Yeah, I thought it was really strong. Like, obviously, in some ways, people are going to say, well, it's like a retread. Like, season one is all about, like, you know, who has the right to the throne but in this case it's not just who has the right to the throne it's this like entire thing of like lineage tradition what someone says versus like what's always been like prophecies just misunderstood messages and just all sorts of stuff and it like really shows how like little misunderstandings can completely change the course of history and I, I think it is just, it's very interesting. And I also think it's interesting not to compare it to Game of Thrones, but just to kind of like having the framework of what's happening now, how it builds in 
to what we get down the line and some of the stories you hear down the line uh, of different people and how like something that happens in this created the shockwave of what you get later. Um, and I think the fact that it, you know, I, a lot of people were ready to just dismiss the show because of how bad season eight of Game of Thrones was, how horrible that ended, how abrupt it was. It literally, I've never seen a phenomenon just get stopped in its track, like a cultural <laughs> move. I don't even think like Walking Dead like hit a wall that hard you know yeah. people just, just kind of dropped off what even it just dissipated <laughs> yeah, that was, it was more dissipation gone. yeah so like this i know people who are like well i'm never watching it because of how much they like screwed yeah. me over with the original one but i think that this show does such a good job just standing on its own and kind of being this like undeniable force of like quality storytelling with acting and just set design and you know the dragons and everything that it's like it, it stands on its own one, I think The Walking Dead left on a thunk. Actually, now that we think about it, it was That's a thunk yeah, it was did. a thunk. It was a thunk. You know, you're right. You're right. You're right. We were saying it dissipated, but I think it was one thunk. Uh, two. Yeah. I'm all right with comparing it to Game of Thrones. I think it's a cool way to look at it because I think of shows that I love like Lost, and nobody wants to give the whole series the time of day because they didn't like the ending. And I'm like, we spent five seasons loving these characters. Yeah. I know season eight sucked. Like we, you can hear someone say season eight, and you know what they're talking about. That's bad. <laughs> Yeah, But the first seven seasons were magical. It was awesome. It's the mm-hmm. reason why we're still gravitating towards the show. And I think that if anything, this has the ability to fix it because it kind of then makes it the middle show with dragons, games, uh, and then all the other follow-ups that are coming up with Jon Snow. It gets mm-hmm. to be like this middle piece and it almost recorrects itself like Star Wars where, yeah, mm-hmm. it may not have had the best ending, but because of this prequel, people will give it the time of uh, a day again. It's going to be able to fix its legacy. So Lost 2, ABC, if you're listening, should be a thing that you lost again. <laughs> something. <laughs> Got to fix it for the fans. But no, we Dragons delivered on every front. <laughs> Please. Yeah. We have to we have to head back. I back. agree. Also, <laughs> I was just like, this is a total dragons. aside. Yeah, this is a total aside. So for the longest Shoot. time, I thought it was just called House of Dragon. And then it took forever for me to do House <laughs> of the Dragon. And then I thought it Hot was D. Way of the Water. And it's actually just Way of Water. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one that you don't expect it, to have you, the you took yeah. the the out of avatar and put it in dragons yeah you bastards that's funny so it's un- yeah that means nothing but okay let's continue on i got you <laughs> so wait so that's all right that's now yeah, so well so house of the dragon is my seven amanda's six, six. and arts Five. five. So we're at arts so six. that's our second show that's on all three of our lists we're going to arts six and then we'll skip Amanda eventually. And it's a Wednesday. So yes, my <laughs> next number is HBO's Fresh Off, Fresh Off, Zach. Fresh Off. We Own This City. The miniseries oh, coming from the go. team who's worked on The Wire, an adaptation of this book that covers the Baltimore City Police officers, especially during the times of the Freddie Gray case. And it kind of jumps forwards and backwards, which I, I didn't expect. You're following mm-hmm. pretty much this bad cop, which is John Berthold's character, Wayne Jenkins. He's such a big mm-hmm. name out there that everybody wants to be with him because he thinks he's so tough on the streets. But he's playing this long game, which is he doesn't really care about the overtime for a police officer. Yeah, that's sweet money. But he's in there doing these raids and snatching the money. And he's able to do the trickle down to his boys. I love how you're able to see where he got that from as you flash back to see when he was just the whippersnapper coming in to learn those things. It's a show that hits on all cylinders. I, I don't think it even has a score. It's just these built-in performances that I'm so surprised that for episode four, Zach, that damn speech at the end. No nomination for John Bernthal? 
wild. <laughs> They're just not watching too those David Simon shows. Too too early in the year. It doesn't matter if it was the last thing that came out before closing. This is one of the best <laughs> series to come out of HBO. It already has, like we were saying, a team that we know is honored and is going to come in at full speed. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all of the episodes are directed by one of my favorite up-and-coming directors, uh, Reynaldo Marcus Green, who did Monsters and Men. Let's go. He's on some foo-foo mm-hmm. movies in between. He's back on the good graces <laughs> with this one. An absolutely killer mm-hmm. show. Six episodes. That's all it is. And I can guarantee you, you won't be as enthralled once you get into that episode four. I mean, I know that's halfway through, but I, like you finish this and you feel oh yeah, like you were within that department with all the ins and outs that it brings you through. An incredible show. I am so happy that I was able to. I started it last night. I finished it this morning and rightfully so. It bumped, nice. it bumped nice. another miniseries off the list. I think you'll be happy with it. But I have to rightfully say that this was the better one starting with a W. So I honestly thought it came out last year. And then you said it, and I was like, yeah, well, shit, that release. would have been on my list, and now I don't think I want to bop anything else off my list, but Max, yeah, it's, it the it's a real, yeah, it's a really great, sh- it's a fantastic show. Yeah, it's, it's so if good. you're a fan of The Wire, like, I can't imagine you not liking this show. Yeah. Um, when they said, he's on The Wire? So good. Leo meme. Uh, yeah, I had this on my list like two hours ago, and then I just decided like uh, the se- that I had to put Severance somewhere. But I I don't feel good about it because this show is really really great, it's really and it's like it really does feel like The Wire season six. And and I there's some for some people that's going to sound sacrilegious, but it is it is that level of quality. And the thing that you're talking about art about it like sort of really picking up by episode four is. I think with shows like The Wire, that this the way that David Simon and, and all those guys uh, ta- tackle this type of material is they make it so dense and they make the world so fully lived in and they want to show you all the pieces so that when you see the pieces falling into place, it it fe- makes that much more sense. You see why they have to be that way. It's it's really great TV, man, and it's TV that is so much smarter than most of the stuff we get. It's a great show, great miniseries. Probably my favorite miniseries of the year. It's I don't good, think bro. I have let me, any... Zach, let me hit you with two quotes to to make you feel like you should bump it up a bit more. You remember when one of them comes up to them and says, "You know what they say: the politician who promises change isn't the one who's going to have to do it." Ooh. Zach, they, when they mm, we were talking spoilers there, please watch this show if you haven't. This show hits on all <laughs> cylinders, and that. That, that monologue that I'm talking about in season four, just, it, it completely hits. Episode Zach, four, yeah. here's another one right here. The bad guys, they have to be perfect all the time. Us cops, we just got to be lucky once. <laughs> so say it about superheroes. Is it, are there super villains? Because they're superheroes. I had never seen that in a real world scenario. Fully get deep into that. It, <laughs> they knocked it out of the park, dude. Yeah, it, it's great. It's such a, such a smart show. All right, great pick there. At number six, we own this city. Amanda had House of the Dragon on her list at number six. For me, my number six is the same thing that I had at number six on the halfway point, Pachinko. I don't Mm -hmm. have any monologues about bowls of rice this time. You'll have to go back to our midway list for that one. Uh, I did revisit the ending of Pachinko before finalizing my mist, and uh, I cried my tender little Mm -hmm. eyes out all over again. If I'm going to commend House of the Dragon for its ability to navigate multi-generational, decade-spanning storylines, I should also probably give out 
uh, give a shout out to the show that's able to make it fascinating without the use of dragons. <laughs> it, yeah. It's just like such a beautifully written show that shows you the echoes of of trauma, of experience, of family. It, it's working on so many different levels that are so fascinating. Uh, and if all that isn't enough to convince you, episode seven is some of Kogonada's most ambitious work. Check it out if you're an After Yang fan. It is so, so good. I'm so excited. I'm excited for both of y'all to finish it just because I, I want to hear your reactions to it. It's mm, such good. a great show. I knew you were going to have it on the list, but that first episode, yeah. watching it and what you're saying about this family, because it's really getting into the, the the time where Korea was occupied by Japan and what they do with the subtitles. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Uh, the blue yo. subtitles for Japanese and yellow for Korean. So good. And when they went half and half because the person was kind of a mixture of both. Yeah. Chills. Yeah. Chills. And it's it's stuff like that that is so yes. tells you so much about a character in a way that just ordinary dialogue couldn't. I don't know, man. It's that's such when a great I knew show. it was a real one, and I'm like, hey, Zach will have it mm-hmm. on the list. Let me just give my little praise <laughs> for it. I'm glad Amanda caught an episode two. There's a season two in the works. I thought it was a mini series. Yeah. So I yeah. thought so hey, too until I, I will be cut off for it. it. Yeah. I will be cut off so for good. it. He's not lying. It's the real great. deal. All right, so to recap my list so far, I had Severance slash We Own the City. I'll throw it on there at number 10. Uh, Winning Time at uh, number 9. Righteous Gemstones at number 8. House of the Dragon at number 7. And Pachinko at number 6. Art, what's your list so far? Can you recap? Join the tie. Join the tie, Zach. It feels good. Hulu's The Bear. Showtime's I Love That For You. HBO Max's The Rehearsal, Netflix's Mo, and HBO's We Own This City. And Amanda. Uh, so my 10 was The Staircase, my 9 was Yellow Jackets, 8 was The Bear, 7 was Tokyo Vice, which I will just thematically put a tie with We Own This City, and then my 6 <laughs> was House of the Dragon. Do it. Yep. <laughs> Nice. I love it. All right. So before we get to the top fives, we would like to thank the Intercutie patrons, those wonderful people who are supporting the show. They are you and Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Michael, Matt, and Mr. Kobayashi. Our Academy level members are Tushar, Marion, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Sean, May, Ricky, and Antonio, and of course, a big thanks to the producer-level patrons. They are Awkward and Udenvir. Thanks again for all the support, and a reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to some intercut episodes, access to intercut episode outlines, access to the private Discord channels to chat with us, as well as those monthly Google patron hangs where you can chat in person with us, talk about movies and all that. All those great benefits available at patreon.com slash intercutpod. Art, let's swing back to you. Oh, actually, we talked about your number five already in uh, House of the Dragon. I'm so ahead of it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I got you. I'll go to my number five and let Amanda take the anchor position. My number five, I'm going to Better Call Saul season (laughs) six. I've noticed something. A lot of people say that Breaking Bad is one of the best shows of all time, but people who watched all of Breaking Bad 
and all of Better Call Saul seem to be about 50-50 on which show is better. And I'm not trying to declare my allegiance either way, but it is that it is in the conversation with one of the best shows of all time, with people who've watched both, should speak volumes, should speak for itself about how great Better Call Saul mm-hmm. was and how amazing it is coming after Better Breaking Bad doing both prequel and sequel and simultaneous timelines. It's it's so crazy. There's been no project like it in television. I'm a little bit ashamed to have it this low on my list because it is like a perfect series finale to a excellent masterfully crafted season series of television i i don't know it's like i i don't know why i only have it five because i can't say anything that's wrong with it It, it's just an incredible incredible tv and i'm like sorry to be leaving albuquerque because there's nothing quite like the meticulous nature of vince gilligan's and peter gold's teams there so you're a breaking bad fan You know, man, it's just because it's so close that I kind of feel like Better Call Saul is doing a lot of stuff that Breaking Bad isn't. But if I go back and watch Ozymandias, I'm, I'm going to tell you that's Breaking what I'm, That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Part B here, but part yeah, yeah. B of Breaking Bad, would that have been higher? It's because he's got Ozark. I forgot the Ozark finale was coming up, but we'll get to that one. <laughs> right. O- Ozark's the true king. <laughs> All right, only so Murderville. That was that's my the only way f- he makes a cameo. <laughs> uh, I got... Better Call Saul at my number five. Amanda, what do you have at yours? My number five is Blackbird, actually, which I feel like is Ooh, a hey, weird Apple. choice. Okay. But again, something about these ones I was watching when I was on planes, I think it's because there's nothing else. I, I'm, it's like full immersion. It's so easy not to yeah. get distracted by other things when you're on a plane. And uh, again, it's just these kind of like crime mysteries. You know, you've got uh, Rocket Man, t- uh, Edgerton, not Edgerton. Oh, yep. my God. Yeah. Edgerton. Yeah, yeah Taron. Taron Edgerton. Thank you. Taron Edgerton. He's this, you know, cocky young guy who uh, sells drugs, makes a lot of money doing it, ends up getting caught. And then they kind of uh, hold something over his head. They say, you know, we can get you like a lesser term and basically get you out if you help us with this situation. We're going to send you to a very high max security prison and we need you to try to get a confession out of someone who's about to be released because we think he has serial murdered a bunch of young girls. Um, But we don't have enough to keep him in prison. And yeah, so he kind of has to basically put his life at risk, uh, be that snitch, But obviously no one can know. And uh, there's, you know, all the issues that that come with that, because it's literally like I think the psychologist and the FBI know no one else in the prison knows. None of the other employees know. So he's just going to be treated like he is a high max, like murder, you know, convicted of murder type guy. And it's just really, really good. And I I think Taron's a fantastic actor. So it's really fun to be along with him. And uh, Zach Galifianakis, I'm pretty sure, is is the guy who plays the expected double check that it's somebody like that. I could be completely wrong. Paul Walter Hauser. Yeah, yeah, that's probably who it is. My bad. I don't know why I said Zach Galifianakis. (laughs) He would think that joke is funny, though. He would laugh at that. He's actually a really funny guy. Similar vibes, similar vibes, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, so it's him, and it's just the way he acts is just so yeah. weird and creepy, 
And, mm-hmm. you know, Taryn's got to make this guy think that they're friends and, you know, try to push him on, on weird things to get him to admit stuff. Uh, I thought it was, like, really good and really captivating. So it's definitely definitely one I'd recommend if you're into kind of, like, crime dramas and, and thrillers. That's the limited one, too. Yeah, it seems kind of, like, psychological and stuff, too. Yeah, very. Because it kind of messes him up, too. The more he has to try yeah. to, like, get this stuff out and just the different things that happens when he finds things out it's like yeah is this the one where paul yeah. does like the really high voice yeah he's like yeah uh, <laughs> if, yeah buddy. It's, it's, yeah it's unhinged yeah truly <laughs> That's a good i've one. heard he's really good in it i've heard taryn's really good in it I've, I've people who've seen it seem to really be liking it but it is one of those like many apple tv plus shows that they debut and then it kind of feels like it just sort of disappears into yeah. the ether and it, we need people like you to say no wait this one's actually good this one's to actually remind good. us to check them out <laughs> yeah. yeah all right cool so that one is on my list is on my to watch list blackbird number five on amanda's best of the year Let's go back to Arturo for number four. Barry, season three off of mm. HBO. I, got I that believe too. it's going to be a little bit higher, so we'll leave it for a little bit. But yeah. Barry, if you've ever listened yeah. to any Intercut podcast, gets mentioned a lot. <laughs> it does. And for good reason. <laughs> My number four we talked about also already uh, is The Bear on FX on Hulu. Very nice. Uh, so let's go to Amanda's number four Peacemaker. The James Gunn series based on the character from his Suicide Squad movie. I thought it was just super fun. Like, they finally found the thing that John Cena could do. The man's wanted to be an actor, and he's (laughs) just always come across as, like, somewhere in between what The Rock is doing and what... Um, Batista's doing like Batista can yeah. actually get the mm-hmm. really good nuanced performances that are like super like and he can do the sillier stuff like Drax and then you've got The Rock who just plays himself and everything and sometimes it works <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't and then you just kind of had John Cena who's playing himself but it doesn't work um, yeah. so but this peacemaker role is perfect for him it's so just goofy and macho but then mm-hmm. also a little bit like um, not sympathetic but just like you know sensitive there's a sensitivity there um, I, I just thought it was a, a really fun show, deeply in- enjoyable. I'm excited for for future seasons of that. So yeah, it's just it's just fun fun television in the superhero genre, which is like missing, lacking a lot of times. So yeah, yeah. Part of what convinced the the Viacom <laughs> folks to put them in charge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I still haven't gotten around to the show I want to, but that intro sequence has like such a permanent space in my brain. I, I probably think about it at least once a week and I, I feel like there's something wrong with me. It's a good year for dance uh, sequences. I will say very good. Year a for lot of good dance sequences. sequences. Shout it's out after one. Yang. Yeah. Shout out return to soul. Shout out white noise. Umbrella Academy. Yeah, it's decent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody should do a montage video. Anyway, Let's go back to art and start off our top threes. Apple TV Plus's Severance. Ooh. Very cool. I think I that'll be a on Amanda's list somewhere, too. Yeah, I think it's my number one, but so many of these are just <laughs> cycling around. Well, but so, Severance So I'll be me. coming back with that. Severance is really yeah. good. Cool. My number three 
is the rehearsal arts number eight. Let's there go. There is no show this year that made me feel more things than Nathan <laughs> Fielder's rehearsal. And I think for a lot of people, those things that they felt were uh, contempt, uh, <laughs> possibly rage towards Nathan, <laughs> HBO, yes, and this whole production. But to me, that also speaks to the brilliance of this truly, truly singular creation there is nothing like it and i don't think there ever will be anything quite like it and part of what is so genius about it especially when you compare it to a show like nathan for you which is maybe like its closest cousin or whatever is the way that the rehearsal constantly for like shifts its form it has that first episode where it's about uh, core and his, this trivia contest at this bar and you think alright it's going to be every week he helps a different person in a new situation and instead it becomes this very weird serialized experiment where he dives deeper and deeper into his own insecurities and potential like psychosis <laughs> while, while also finding the most like bizarre people to feature on camera I, I don't really know if like I want to be the arbiter of how ethical this whole proceeding is. I know that it's just like maybe the most watchable thing that I've ever seen. The, the thing that I wanted to know what was going to happen next the most. And I, I just think there's something really powerful in being able to elicit the types of strong reactions that the show did, both positive and negative. It's it's rare to to feel things based on what you see, but it's even rarer to feel super strongly based on what, the things you see in media. So, yeah, the rehearsal, it's brilliant. Uh, I think Nathan Fielder's brilliant, and it's at number three. Art, now that you've sat with it a little bit more, uh, you got a number eight. You enjoyed it? You, you mad at him? Where you oh, I'm at? so mad at him. I, I I can be mad at someone and still respect them. It is the show is guilty just by principle because that's what he's showcasing. The what you were saying, yeah. the emotions that you feel by it are things that he's telling you. If you were if you think it's wrong in this show, the whole industry does it. And that's what he's calling out. So I, I can I can be mad at a show because I think what he's spotlighting some people want to give him like the pass on it. And I think it's okay for him to kind yeah. of be an informant of sorts. Cause that's what he becomes here. He, he gets into the depths of playing with how we deal in Hollywood with kid actors, with how, you know, we're doing work schedules with how you don't have to pay someone as long as they don't speak. Just little intricacies that I think were upsetting people in the wrong ways and thinking that like, he's the one to blame for it when all he's doing is highlighting something that we dismiss and everything else that we view. This is Synecdoche Nathan uh, to a degree. This is probably going yeah. to the next degree of everything that he's ever done in Nathan for you, especially with a finale like uh, the Francis episode. Um, so I do. I respect it. I appreciate a lot of what he's calling out. And it did also infuriate me. I was one of those who was feeling both emotions at once. It's ridiculous that he's calling something like this out in the way that he's doing it, but it's kind of make he was making a point with it. Uh, so I'd be very curious to see any follow-ups uh, to the show or what he has next, but uh, one of the most engaging and surreal and interesting shows of the year. No one does it like Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. Easily one of the shows that most merits like debating and talking and just diving into it. But, but uh, like Amanda. it actually becomes good talks. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, it's like actually fascinating to, to try and pull this thing apart. Yeah. 
Yeah. Amanda, were you able to do this or is this a level of cringe that you can't tolerate? Um, I tried diving into it right after I finished The Bear and my brain just did not want that <laughs> format of show. Like, I think I made it yeah. maybe like three minutes into the first episode and I was like, I'll come back to this. Now, the more that I'm hearing you guys yeah, talk about it, the more I might be like, okay, I just don't know what I expected it to be. And it wasn't what I started watching. So now I'm like, I have to now yeah. with the right framing going back to it. It's like the first time I tried watching La La Land. It just didn't do it for me. And now that's like one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. So it's just like now that you have, I have the framing down for mm-hmm. what to expect. I can probably make it through it a lot easier. Gotcha. I would be fascinated to hear what you think about it. But I <laughs> oh, also have to think revisit it will that. be very uncomfortable for you. Okay, look, I can watch the Scott's Tots episode of The Office on repeat <laughs> now. Um, so like I can get there. I can get through this. Oh, Wait okay. for the finale. Oh, God damn it. No, no fuck you guys. Fuck you're you so bitches. just as upset as I was. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, God. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, I'll try to blow through okay. that. Yeah. What did you put at number three on your list? Very different. I got Heartstopper. This is my Netflix series. Cool. Um, I It's it's so cute. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a coming of age story. Young kid who's, you know, come, not, he's to terms with the fact that he's gay, um, but then you have like the characters around him, the one that, you know, isn't quite sure if he's gay or bi or how he feels. He just knows that he likes this other kid and wants to, to hang out with him. And it should just be as simple as that. But then, you know, things are complicated, but ultimately it's just this like adorable cute show I think it's only eight episodes long they're like 30 minute episodes so it's like really fast and easy to get through and it's just so cute I'm so excited for the next season it's based off of like a graphic novel series but I think Alice something in Olsman something like that I'm sorry I can't remember I'm sorry Um, but uh, it's just it's you know cute is just like the best way to describe it like you know it has some like harder moments to watch but ultimately it's just like a really nice show that I think is going to be important to a lot of people and just like really 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 good nice I feel like you tend to save one slot on your list for like the the hot teen heartfelt show and and it's uh, and it seems like this is one that really is resonating with a lot of people yeah Mm -hmm. like I I always try to be you know I watch and I consume so much media that's in that space that I like talking up when I think it's actually good and done well Uh, and this is one that I think like handles pretty much everything it tries to deal with well yeah awesome Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So Heartstopper, Amanda's number three. Let's go to Arturo for his number two. We have another HBO show. Making it one, two, Ooh. three, four, five. Final HBO show right here. Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, a mm-hmm. show that is beautifully shot and follows a sports team that you don't have to have any association with. But if you do... Damn, do they get some of these shots crazily uh, well done, like like a lot of the style from back in the back in the day. It, it follows the Lakers as they're growing, not just as a team, but as like an association. Like the idea and premise of basketball hadn't even been established until this guy went in there and realized that he can actually make it like a showtime. It sucks that they didn't get to keep the actual name because that's like the whole point. <laughs> but the idea that it was yeah. an entire event, you weren't just going in there to see sports. You were going in there to see the Laker girls, You were the halftime, all these mm-hmm. different things that end up becoming the brand, uh, so to speak, right? Even with this year having the World Cup, uh, rewatching a lot of documentaries leading up to it, just how FIFA became FIFA, right? It's that idea of how mm-hmm. you're able to take a sports league to be something tiny for it to then become the biggest thing in the world. 
and I found all of the casting that they did in here to be fantastic. You know it's a really good show when the people who were involved complain about it and call it fake, but don't tell you what it is they need to fix. They're just mad they're not getting a dime yep. out of it. Zach had mentioned that this is going to be like a mini series of some sort uh, or anthology, right? Where they might be choosing yeah. different uh, teams to play in different decades. And I think that would be awesome. And I think it helps with the winning time title because then it could be an anthology and it's not stuck to one team. It could be the rise of any dynasty. And I'd be very excited to mm-hmm. see what they do in the future, especially with how they take the time period. Because one of the most surprising parts was how they were cutting from these like really nice cameras to then this like very filmic eight millimeter look. And the way they did those mm-hmm. edits man it made some for some of the funniest awkward moments in the show so i would highly highly recommend winning time the rise of the lakers dynasty on hbo yeah i know a lot of people didn't like the editing style the adam mckay hyperactive editing style from i'm I'm talking more when it was like in don't look up i think it works extremely extremely well here uh yes that, that just like maximalist throwing things at the screen switching up the film stock just keeping things moving this might be like the most show on my list i have it at number nine i do love how stylized every moment is from the camera choices to the characters featured you know lots of famous names jack nicholson showing up just to be like a guy who's in the room to the performances which are also like very very they feel very particular. They're they're making big decisions with their characters. It's not just like the actors showing up and playing themselves. And those actors, it's a lot of really big name talents. I mean, they just sort of bring Jason Sudeikis and Adrian Brody in off the bench after a few episodes. It's crazy. This show is, it's fun, it's splashy, it's suspenseful, it's a drama that's full of personality, and it's a perfect match for the Showtime Lakers, for like that brand. There's so many shows that are ripped from the headlines or based on true stories, and and none of them are as daring or as dynamic as Winning Time was in its first season. So if they can keep that up in whatever season two is, I'll be thrilled. 100%. Winning time. Great pick. Glad you have it on your list and so high on your list. Number two. My number two is Atlanta season four. Aren't you still got this somewhere? My number one is if you want to combine them together, season three and season four of Atlanta, but season four being my official pick for my top series of the year. So we can talk about it. Okay. Or we can wrap up. Yeah, let's talk about Let's rip Let's the band aid talk about it uh, right now. Atlanta it is the finally best. gave it, it, Atlanta finally gave people what they wanted in season four. And while I don't know if it's like the best batch of Atlanta episodes they've put out, I think it's the ones that I'll find myself returning to the most often because while Atlanta has always been an extremely impressive show and impossible to predict, I was impressed all over again during its final stretch because they somehow managed to give each character a fitting goodbye that didn't really feel like a goodbye. It almost felt like a see you later or like we'll still be here. They answered some longstanding questions while not getting like saccharine or diverting from the ethos of the show. And in its final episode with Darius in the hyperbaric chamber, it was Atlanta at its best. It's absurd. It's unexpected. It's profound and it's 
fun. It's a lot of fun. So Atlanta episodes always found a way to make TV successful, but in a way all of its own. And those last last few episodes are some of the best ever to end an iconic show. I, I really think that series finale is like one of the greatest series finales we've ever gotten because it's such a such a fitting way to leave the characters without ending their stories or or changing what the show was to bring like an artificial sense of conclusion it just was always atlanta i gotta catch Atlanta. no i mean it's only four seasons in total it's done like now that it's over it's like it makes it such a compact thing to go back and and rewatch because it's like 10 per season i think yeah it's like about 10 is it 10 or 8 so it's like four times eight four times ten so it's really not that it's not that difficult i think it's gonna be really easy to 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 binge through because i ended up going back to watch a couple of the season one stuff just to see how it played back Mm -hmm. with with season four and the fact that this year alone was season three and four on the same year is insane to me all of the classics were dropping doubles right 365 had two movies this year too so you had nothing but hits coming out (laughs) this one was better than three Shit, because I forgot about three. Them. <laughs> we might have to go re-edit, rework some other of, of the movie we one. Go back. Yeah. Season three felt like, or, or a lot of people felt that season three felt like short stories, anthologies. But I thought that that twist, that like just not, not caring and deciding to make whatever stories they could, was fantastic. And I'm, I was hoping that they would continue the series to be able to do that every other episode or something. They decided to end it. And season four is the best Atlanta has ever been. The first two episodes correlate each other very well of what happens when one of our main characters has someone who can't let something go. Only for episode two to have one of our main characters not be able to let something go. Episode three, Born to Die, is one of my favorites of the season when they realize what you really need to be able to win a Grammy and even has a Grammy winner in Childish Gambino finally speaking about what he felt about the Grammys. A lot of this second or this final season has him talking about what he thinks in the work ethic episode about Tyler Perry Studios down below. He has a lot of different mm-hmm. things when it comes to the, uh, not just the ethos, but the legacy of a lot of rappers and what they leave behind when he brings up the Crank That Killer. But I thought there was four endings to this show. I kept going to Zach. I'm like, I can't believe Atlanta ended. He goes, no, there's still another episode. And then I thought it ended. There was another episode. <laughs> when I got to episode seven, Snipe Hunt, it is the perfect goodbye to that family. Oh, when you rewatch yeah. episode one and you realize that the whole show, I'm, I was worried. is like, is it him leaving Atlanta? Is that his growth? The whole growth for every character here is realizing what they have in front of them. And that Snipe Hunt episode Mm -hmm. ends with what I thought was the best shot to end the show. And then they came back next week with this one called The Goof Who Sat By The Door. And it's about the director who directed the Goofy movie. Zach, I could not believe they chose that as the ending. The most out of nowhere episode of all time. And easily one of my favorite episodes of the year. That wasn't the ending. They come in with another one and it's got to be Paperboy. Okay, Paperboy ends the finale. And it's your opening line to me, the Hibiki. He's out there and he just realizes he's got the people around him. And then it still didn't end. No, the final one has to be Darius. It's beautiful. What has he been up to? What has he been up to? Realizing that he's surrounded by the people who love him the most. It, it's the number one show of 2022. I hope and implore people catch up on Atlanta. It's so good. It's so good. I'm. I'm just... I'm glad we have it to go back to over and over again. I, I love that show so much. So my number two, arts number one, Atlanta on FX on Hulu. Let's go back to Amanda for her number two. The Boys. 
don't know. Okay. I get you know I get pulled into these shows and you know I I, I stick with them, but I, I really enjoyed season three of the boys. I think it had a bit of a rough ending, but as it was going through, I thought they they kind of did some some interesting uh, character work with like Butcher and obviously Homelander got fleshed out in a lot of ways, and I thought it was a very interesting to watch like the cultural reaction to people who f- somehow thought he was ever supposed to be the good guy or somebody that you could look up to right. or like the anti-hero role and i'm like no butcher is the anti-hero role like homelander is like the villain in the hero's suit that's the whole fucking point of that character so <laughs> I, I find that that's one of those things that being able to see the public re- reaction to it mirrored in a show that is literally making fun of so many of these people that are now being like hey wait a minute you know it's interesting (laughs) it's kind of like a similar thing that we saw happening with tar um except in the reverse kind of um but Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i like the boys i'm i'm a fan of these like stronger played out type of superhero shows i know we kind of had a big run of these um like darker shows and they got a little bit overbearing but i i still think that this one is really really holding its own and i'm excited to see where it goes next i agree nice. i think this had the best ending out of all three seasons so far i thought they mm-hmm. killed it with the ending and his performance in particular uh, mm-hmm. i was actually kind of rooting for him uh, i thought he he pulled out all the stops uh, anthony star oh, yeah uh, with the season you knew he wasn't going down you knew he wasn't going to go down, so it was just a matter of how oh. was he not going to go down. Oh, but he killed it. Like I actually, I he know did. it's like a superhero show, but that was like the best part. I think they should have campaigned for him a little more. But I'm curious to see where they build this next season because now, like if it wasn't off mm-hmm. before, he's completely loose now. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, other planet. <laughs> nice. All right, the boys, an always entertaining show at Amanda's number two. Let's. Circle back around, Art already said his number one was Atlanta, so it's time for my number one, which is Barry, season (laughs) three. And I feel like I've never really wavered from this. I've always loved this show, but I feel like it somehow made a massive leap in its third season. What's great about Barry is the show's willingness to push its characters to uncomfortable but logical conclusions in a way that sacrifices audience comfort for what feels truth, what feels truthful at least. While a lot of shows like to look at things like trauma or violence as past issues that can be resolved in happy endings, I feel like Barry really reckons with the impact and the hurt that gets proj- that gets depicted on screen. The, the last four episodes of season three are easily the best television I've seen all year. And that final episode in particular just like left me with this lump in my throat the entire time I'm watching it. it just on edge, gripping the couch, just uncomfortable. Uh, right until its perfect ending, the kind of ending that most shows are way too cowardly to pull off. I have no idea what's in store for season four, but I couldn't be more excited for it, and I would not bet against Bill Hader and this crew right now because it, it's it's incredible. The level of filmmaking is unreal. Some of the shots that they've pulled off in season three, it's a whole other uh, plane. I, I don't know, man. I... I'm blown away by what Barry has evolved from when it was pitched as like, oh, Bill Hader's in this kind of funny but dark hitman show to just one of the most upsetting but thrilling 
pieces of television every week. I, it's great. It's it's so great, and I think it deserves all the awards. And I I, I have it. At my, I've had it at my number one all year because it's nothing's impressed me like Barry. All right. It did I, start I off you got as it a, on your list somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it started off as a dark comedy, that was a drama. They lost the yeah. comedy, and now it's just a dark drama. I love how uh, <laughs> what's his name, his handler, or not his handler, the teacher, <laughs> Henry Winkler, Fuchs. when he's talking, he's talking. Oh, about- yeah. Winkler, Winkler, yeah. Winkler, when he, he was like, I was on set. They forgot the comedy every season. There's less and less comedy. There's it's too dark. I have to come in with a miner's hat. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of pretty dark. And I was surprised where where they take this because it is some of the most emotional uh, sequences that he's going through as an actor. I think because of it mm-hmm. being a comedy, a lot of people don't look for performances off of shows like that. That it's decided to focus in and hone in so much on the drama that you have. You know all the actors more than I do, but his partner. In this last season. Sarah Goldberg. Yeah. Unbelievable. She was off of it, bro. She was doing crazy stuff there. And especially with her supporting characters How having Elsie Fisher. for an Emmy, I don't understand. Exactly. I mean, she had a sequence where they were just speaking in onomatopoeias. <laughs> <laughs> right? You then have, obviously, yeah. his direction and being able to have episodes like 710, where as a director, he can have another stunt performer in the hat. And he's doing these crazy mm-hmm. long take sequences. And in a dark comedy, you're having someone break down because of their grief, because of their trauma, because of different things. And it's like, you're in there. It's not for show. He wants you to contemplate it. And you're like, where are the laughs from season one? So I think he's come a long way with it. You are right. The way he ends it, there is like no way to to, to write back from that. The only way they created that ending was by pulling something out of a hat and then going like, well, let's see if we can get out of it. Because I can't see a writer pitting themselves in this position and finding a way out. The last season is the last season, if I'm not mistaken. So I hope to leave it with a bang because so far... Every season has delivered, and I think three is is just as strong as one. Absolutely, yeah. I, I can't wait for it. All right, Barry, my number one. And Amanda, you mentioned it earlier. Talk a little bit about why Severance is your top TV show of 2022. Yeah, I think Severance just kind of did a couple of like really unique things. I feel like in a lot of ways, it's a show we've never seen before. It simultaneously feels very grounded and very foreign that like what they're doing when they're working in the Severance area. It's like, what the fuck is even going on here? But then everything outside of that feels completely normal. And it does an interesting thing that like when you hear the concept, so the idea of severance is that like your outside life, so when you're at home with your family, blah, 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 does not remember anything about when you're at work. And at first you're like, well, that kind of sounds great. Like, wouldn't you want to just not ever even remember having to do that? So it just feels like all of your time is when you're not at work. But then there's the flip side of, you know, for one, you're losing all that time. It's just gone. But then what happens to the you that is severed what happens to the you that is in that work situation and that's all they remember and how much autonomy do you actually have as the person who's in there and I think they explore a lot of really interesting different angles with that and it is one of these shows that the whole thing kind of feels like a mystery while you're learning about all this stuff but then that last episode just kicks the door open for an entire new avenue and you're like holy shit this just blew up to like it went up like five levels in like two seconds yeah 
And I'm so excited to see what happens after that. And like the performances are all really good. I feel like every character kind of has their like thing. You know, we're mostly following one person, but then by the end, you kind of find out like what's going on with each of those other characters outside of this. And I I was just really blown away by something that can feel so familiar and foreign at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's so much to love about this show. I mean, from the just design of it, which looks so unique in this Mm -hmm. kind of sanitized into a creepy extent way, the the way the office is, it's like this uh, capitalistic idea, ideal of what a workspace should look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just also looking away from just the whole idea of, work culture and separating you from your work self. I think one of the reasons that I think severance works so well is at first you see the severing thing as a way of separating Adam Scott's character, separating him from his work self. But as you go with the show, you reveal it's revealed to you more and more that it's kind of about him separating himself from, from his, his feelings yeah. yeah yeah from how he feels and stuff mm-hmm. and and that's what's really fascinating and what's really worth diving into and what makes it also like a character study and not just like a social satire yeah. there's something deeper going on there and i'm really excited for us to get into that in season two art you had severance at number three on your list what stood out to you about the apple tv plus show it's a perfect season and I'm worried that they might, you know, I love lost, but I got to use it as the verb the way people use it. They might lost it. You know, you have a lot of those elements where there's really weird animals where they shouldn't be and, and different, you know, theories and others and all these different things that are going on. But as far as season one goes, what a what a perfect ex- execution of a show and its delivery mm-hmm. and its format. Every like you put that thing on on your Apple TV Plus and you think that it's the best streaming service that that that, that it's like the title of streaming services <laughs> mm-hmm. at that point. It, it feels so high yeah. quality no matter what device you watch it on. That alone mm-hmm. really had them coming up to bat. And then you have the story where you're engaged with every character, where they're shot beautifully, where there's mystery and intrigue. You had mentioned one of the one of the best Zacks out there just bringing in this levity uh, with characters who are very confused about where they're at uh, a great slew of supporting cast that as Amanda said towards the end of it you're wondering okay is season two going to take a different route now because now we can explore a bunch of people uh, mm-hmm. in, in their base homes and, and to where they go so I'm excited for it because yeah that ending I mean that Ooh. finale is maybe the finale of the year I'm not exactly sure I know we none of us really put succession on the list with the season three I don't know if that was already at the tail end of last year I think that was last, last year, year yeah. you know that, was last that year. had a, a season finale that I think was at the top of its radar right mm-hmm. there this is this year's then I can't think of anything yeah, better yeah. especially with not having anything else prior to it like this was a fresh show. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think if, if anything, obviously I'm attached to Atlanta and winning time was something that hit close, but I have it at number three because I think to a lot of people, this was, as a man has it as one, the show that surprised them and, and came out of nowhere. Uh, so Severance, very excited to see what they do with season two, but a little nervous. It's it's really good. Uh, it, and it has a lot to live up to. So I think we're all uh, just eager to catch whatever comes next mm-hmm. on Severance. Uh, rounding out our lists, though, that means that Apple TV has got four appearances, which puts it in third place behind Hulu and HBO. Uh, HBO, again, 
dominating the list with 11 appearances between the three of us. Wow. Uh, there are four the HBO Max shows, two Netflix shows, two Showtime shows, only one Amazon show and one AMC show. We, you know, I was, I was uh, dissing Netflix earlier, but Amazon with the very poor showing... Yeah, what I feel happened like this to is Amazon a Prime? Weak year for Prime. I'm trying to think of anything else that was. They put on Prime. all their all their money they on Lord of the Rings. All their budget behind Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did have. Some, yeah, they had. They had some good ones that I enjoyed from there, uh, such as mm-hmm. As We See It. I thought that was a cute little series, but for the most part, I mm-hmm. think it was like the Reacher, Terminal List. It's those really big shows yeah. that they're going for, or they expect you to get Showtime through them. Right. They're making the money through that and and they're shipping. (laughs) Invincible, a show that we all liked, will be back, I think, in January. So maybe that's Mm, a good sign for Amazon Prime. But yeah, uh, Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Uh, Anybody want to talk about their honorable mentions? I had a Hacks season two, Two Toucan Birdie season three. Unfortunately, the final season of that show over on Adult Swim. Uh, Minx season one. Who knows about the future of Minx? But that, that first season, really good. Um, was on HBO Max, not anymore. Only Murders in the Building, season two. I, I really love the dynamic on that show, and they've kept it up in their second season. Uh, the Dropout was my favorite of the, like, ripped from the headline shows because mm-hmm. that Amanda Seyfried performance is so great on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, Abbott Elementary, a show that Art and I bring up quite a bit over on Thumbs ABC, up. the only, like, cable network that's show. That's what I meant. That yeah, that's really the I, only yeah, one I can think of. One. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I put Atlanta season three in my honorable mentions because I, I put okay. season four by itself on my list. But we can combine them or keep them separate. It doesn't really oh, matter. It's, um, for mine, my final would have been four. Yeah. And I, I usually like to have a slot for my favorite half hour comedy. But this year was just too packed. And I couldn't find room for either what we do in the shadows season four or Mythic Quest season three. But they're both great That's and good. still some of my favorite stuff to watch and my comfort food. Mm-hmm. So shout out to both of them. Uh, Art, you want to do your honorable mentions? Yeah. I had a couple of really good ones that uh, uh, ended up being limited. That I didn't realize uh, baby over on HBO was this nice little horror series yeah. uh, starring a British woman who doesn't really have a kid, but then a kid literally falls from the heavens on her lap. Is it a demon? <laughs> who knows? You got six episodes <laughs> to find out. Uh, as we see it over on Prime, and I, as I had mentioned, it stars uh, Sosie Bacon, daughter of Kevin Bacon, and Kira Sedgwick. And I thought she did a really good job there taking care of uh, three individuals who are on the spectrum and learning to live together on their own. Under the Banner of Heaven was a pretty good yeah, miniseries yeah. from FX uh, with Andrew Garfield. I thought that delivered, especially when Netflix dropped their Mormon doc as well. And that was even <laughs> crazy. And you're seeing both of these back to back on the finale. Uh, so some pretty crazy stuff there. Russian Doll, season two, wrapping it all up, I thought, right. uh, was a really good way to end that story arc. And uh, I was under the assumption they were going to go three. But nonetheless, uh, season one and two are a perfect way to send off that series. And I want to give it an honorable mention. Uh, we Crash was the one that We Own the City knocked out yeah. of the list. I-, I really liked that show. I know I got nothing from the Emmys, but I thought these two people who I know Hollywood have had a big problem with can deliver playing crazy people uh, and i thought jared leto mm-hmm. really got into that headspace of the dude uh, yeah. as well and, as and hathaway got ahead of the navi craze too oh my god i don't know she was really good in it <laughs> uh they played it too well and i thought that uh, we crash was a pretty good series over on apple tv american gigolo i got halfway through but i wanted to give that another mention as well John because Berthold. yeah that's john bernthal doing some crazy stuff over on hbo so <laughs> who knows maybe by next year some of those may make the may make the list 
Nice. Earlier, I was going to joke that you put Walking Dead season one on your list because you were saying there's so much John Bernthal, but uh, the moment's passed. <laughs> I should have. And I, I, I don't know meant. if that joke works. Uh, no, uh, I actually Amanda, what saw are your honorable the mentions? AMC finale and it was terrible. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I couldn't put myself through it. Amanda. What do you have on your honorable mentions? Uh, what We Do in the Shadows on my end as well. That's one that usually makes yeah. my list, and it just didn't this year because it's been so stacked. Some Under the, the Banner of Heaven was Colin one. Colin Robinson was a baby. Yeah. They made him a baby. <laughs> baby. It's so good. Um, Under the Banner of Heaven was another one I, I really enjoyed, but it just kind of got bopped off by the end of the year here. But I still think it's really strong and definitely worth watching. Um, First Kill is not what I would call a great show, but I would call it a show for me uh it got canceled <laughs> tragically but i did my best um umbrella academy season three was another one that got bopped off my top 10 list just because it it was like it was weaker than the first two seasons for sure but i'm very excited for them to close it out with the fourth season which was their planned finale so they got that that's all i care about i'm good uh, i still think that stranger things season four had a lot of like really good aspects even though there were some weaker things no, about it, was it too good. but that's yeah, so that's still on my list, and I think that's probably it that I can think of right now. Nice. That's a good thing to add to Zach's thing from earlier. The fact that the series, we were talking about like just a lot of stuff, but even the series I didn't care for, I ended up kind of liking like Stranger Things. That's what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, usually my top 10 list is like the 10 shows that I saw <laughs> that yeah. I liked a lot of the time because I have such a hard time getting through the shows, but this year was just like stacked. Good stuff, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. We'll see if 2023 can compete. So just to recap, my top 10 shows of 2022 are Severance Season 1 on Apple TV+, Plus, Winning Time Season 1 on HBO, The Righteous Gemstone Season 2 on HBO, House of the Dragon Season 1 on HBO, Pachinko Season 1 on Apple TV+, Plus, Better Call Saul Season 6 on AMC, The Bear Season 1 on FX, The Rehearsal Season 1 on HBO, Atlanta Season 4, four on FX and Barry season three on HBO at my number one art. You want to recap your list for sure. Number 10, I got the FX Hulu series, the bear. I have, I love that for you. If you want something funny over on Showtime, the rehearsal, if you want something very cringy over on HBO max Mo, which I think is probably the funniest thing Netflix has. Uh, we own this city is probably the best limited drama you're going to see all year on HBO. Dragons is worth it. I don't care if you hate it. Season eight, Give it a chance. It's something brand new. It's worth it on HBO. Uh, Barry. <laughs> Barry season three. He, he, he should have won for that uh, bike episode on the highway. It's very good over on HBO. Mm-hmm. Severance. Please don't, please don't ruin yourself uh, over on Apple TV. Winning time over on HBO and Atlanta season four. Closing it out the way that he, the way that he uh, planned it to. And uh, it was beautiful. Yeah. Amanda, you want to recap your list? Yeah, so at 10, we've got The Staircase. 9 is Yellow Jackets. 8, The Bear. Uh, 7 is Tokyo Vice, tied with We Own This City. Uh, 6 is House of the Dragon. I agree. If you hated 8, at least give it a chance, unless you're taking some like moral framework. But again, you know, D, D and DB <laughs> are not involved in this, so you, it's fine, you know? Yeah. Uh, Blackbird. You know, yeah. So we got Blackbird at number five, then Peacemaker, Heartstopper, The Boys, and in the number one spot, Severance, which I think is this year's show to pay attention to. Awesome. Yep. Great lists all around. Thank you for talking TV with us, Amanda. Um, Let us know in the comments what your favorite shows of 2022 were. 
but I think that's about all for this edition of Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at ZShevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, and check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show Amanda. Where can people find more from you? You can find me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and probably a lot of other places at Amanda the Jedi. All right, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Explain on YouTube, on Letterboxd, on Twitter, every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio feed, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekend Must Watch every Monday on our YouTube channel. And please like the video. Leave us a comment. Remember to give us a five-star review on Apple podcasts or on spotify and you can find us on facebook on instagram on twitter you can support us on patreon find all of those pages at intercut pod to get updates throughout the week from art from me from amanda from all the guests that we feature here on intercut thanks again for tuning in and until next time it's days like these that i curse the chinese for inventing gunpowder